Hi everyone, welcome back to our daily gospel exegesis. Today at Mass you'll hear from Mark chapter 16, verses 15 to 20, which is right at the end of the gospel of Mark, so we're going to look at that text today. Jesus showed himself to the eleven and said to them, Go out to the whole world, proclaim the good news to all creation. He who believes and is baptised will be saved. He who does not believe will be condemned. These are the signs that will be associated with believers. In my name they will cast out devils. They will have the gift of tongues. They will pick up snakes in their hands and be unharmed should they drink deadly poison. They will lay their hands on the sick who will recover. And so the Lord Jesus after he had spoken to them, was taken up into heaven. There, at the right hand of God, he took his place, while they, going out, preached everywhere, the Lord working with them and confirming the word by the signs that accompanied it. So here we are, right at the end of the Gospel of Mark. Now, it's worth pointing out that a lot of scholars think that these final verses in Mark, so from verse 9 onwards of the final chapter of Mark, were maybe not written by Mark himself, um, because there's controversy about where the Gospel of Mark ended. Some manuscripts have a shorter ending, which don't include these words. Some have a longer ending, which do include these words. So the evidence is not conclusive. Certainly, either way, the Church considers this text to be inspired, even if it wasn't, ultimately written by Mark himself. So what's the context? Jesus has risen from the dead, he's been appearing to the apostles, and this is now Jesus' final appearance to the apostles before the ascension. And what we hear Jesus say are his final words in the Gospel of Mark, so it's kind of like his final instructions for the apostles. So verse 15, Jesus showed himself, or appeared, and this is the tenth appearance of Jesus after his resurrection. And we know from the other Gospels that this occurs at a mountaintop in Galilee. And he appears to the eleven. Notice the text says the eleven, even though Mark hasn't told us that Judas has committed suicide. So that suggests that Mark's audience already knew that uh, it was quite common knowledge that Judas had committed suicide. Jesus says to the eleven, go out to the whole world. So this is a command for the apostles to travel throughout the entire known world, not just Israel. This is a message to preach to the Gentiles which they might not have been naturally inclined to do. Proclaim the good news. So good news or gospel is the message of the kingdom of God, which we spend a lot of time talking about in this podcast. The message that the apostles are to preach to the whole world is that the reign of Satan is over and the long-awaited reign of God has now begun. That is the good news. And he says, preach to all creation, or more literally to every creature. Now that's a hyperbole. Jesus doesn't intend for them to preach to animals. That's not what he means. He means literally every man of every nation. He goes on, he who believes and is baptized. So notice what that says. Jesus expects that when a person comes to believe in the kingdom, he expects them to be baptized. Remember the word believes, basically in the New Testament, carries this idea of trust. It's not an intellectual assent. It's a trust in the, in the truth of this system. Anyone who believes and is baptized will be saved. So saved from the reign of Satan and brought into the reign of God. That's the good news. Uh, 
Now, a person can only do that with God's grace, but they still have to actively choose to turn away from sin and trust in Jesus. He who does not believe will be condemned. So in the context, that means that those who have the good news preached to them by the apostles, but refuse to believe will not be admitted into the kingdom of God. That's what Jesus teaches here. Verse 17, these are the signs that will be associated with believers. Now, notice Jesus here is talking about believers in general, not just the apostles. So he's going to list some things that Christians in general will do in these early years of the kingdom of God. So he's making a prophecy of what is about to come, particularly in the book of Acts. If you read the book of Acts, you'll see all these things happen. He doesn't imply that every Christian will be able to do this. They're not permanent signs. So it's some Christians today would say that if you can't do these signs that Jesus lists, then you're not a Christian. But I don't think that's what Jesus is saying. He's talking about the early years. In particular, he's telling the apostles what they are going to see in their lifetime. So Jesus here is saying the world will be able to see these signs associated with the kingdom of God as the kingdom of God starts to break into the world into these early years. And here's what they will be able to do. In my name, they will cast out devils. Now, the apostles could already do that earlier in the gospel, but now Jesus extends it to believers in general. Even if we look at the book of Acts, not everyone was able to do this, only some Christians. If you look at Acts 16, there's an example of Christians casting out demons. And we know from history that uh, in those early years, Christians were able to exercise many people that the other rabbis and other demonic experts couldn't. So the Christians were known for expelling demons. They'll also have the gift of tongues, or they shall speak with new tongues, as other translations have it. Now, there's a lot of controversy about what tongues means exactly, but certainly in this context, and we know this from Pentecost, is that God will give Christian believers a new language to speak that they haven't been able to speak before. And probably that's for the purpose of spreading the good news to men of all nations. So it's giving them real human languages that they usually aren't able to speak. We see that happen at Pentecost in Acts 2. But if you read Paul's epistles, he has some things to say about tongues as well. So he indicates that the gift of tongues continues after Pentecost. Also, they will be able to pick up snakes in their hands. So normally, if you try and pick up a snake, it's going to bite you. But apparently some Christians were preserved from this fate. And that's exactly what happens to Paul in Acts chapter 28, verses 3 to 6. He's able to shake off this snake. So that's an interesting prophecy as well. And they'll be unharmed should they drink any deadly poison. This isn't referenced in the book of Acts or the Bible, but we know that many Christians in those early years were persecuted for their faith and people would try to poison them. Perhaps even their own family members would try to poison them to kill them off. Jesus says that some Christians would be immune from this kind of death. And we have some record of that in history of miraculous preservation from poison. They will lay their hands on the sick who will recover. And that's, if you look at the book of Acts, that's a normal way that the early church performed healings is they lay their hands on people. If you look at Acts chapter 3, verses 6 to 8, and the whole point of putting hands on someone is it's kind of like transferring power from one person to another. So all of those things happen in the early church and all of them are given for the purpose of helping the kingdom of God to be spread further. They're all kind of confirming signs 
that the kingdom of God is true. They show that the kingdom of God has come. It's not just talk. It really has come. And that God is overturning the powers of sin and corruption. So that's verse 18. And now we have a time period skipped. And Mark brings us right up to the time of the ascension, which occurs 40 days after appearing to people. So we've just heard his final big speech, which probably happens, it's very hard to tell, but perhaps at the 30-day mark. And now bring Mark brings us up to the 40-day mark. We know from the Gospel of Luke that this next scene takes place near Bethany. He gives them final instructions to wait until the Holy Spirit is sent. So he says some things to them here, but Mark just summarizes it by saying, And so the Lord Jesus, after he had spoken to them, was taken up into heaven. So this is the ascension, when Jesus was taken up bodily into heaven, and they could see him go. They could actually watch him ascend into the sky. Now, lots could be said about the importance of the ascension, how it works, what it means, but primarily, the ascension is about the glorification of humanity. Since Jesus has his body in heaven, and he takes his body up to heaven, it gives Christians a promise that they can also have bodies in heaven. So it's about teaching us that heaven is a bodily reality, not just a spiritual reality. Jesus doesn't just disappear as a ghost once his ministry is finished. His actual body goes up to heaven. So it teaches us that there's going to be bodies in heaven and that the body is important in God's plan. Notice they use the word Lord Jesus is taken up to heaven. So that's probably a title for God himself because Mark doesn't often use the word Lord. So perhaps the idea is his resurrection has revealed that he is God, that he has divine sovereignty over creation. And then Mark says this, there at the right hand of God, he took his place. So the right hand in that culture was the seat of authority. So you kind of have like someone sitting in the middle who is the ultimate authority. And the idea we get is that God, the father is the king and he's on the main throne. And then the second in command person will be sitting on the right of the king. And Jesus is at the right hand. He's the second in command. Now, whether there's literally thrones in heaven, certainly people who've had visions say that there is. And in the Bible, it's depicted that way. But it could be a metaphor just to say that they're reigning from heaven. He took his place. Notice that language. He took his place at the right hand of God. So, That's where Jesus came from before he came to earth. As the second person of the Trinity, he was sitting at the right hand of God. And now that he's finished his earthly work, he sits back down there at the same spot at the right hand of God. And that's where Jesus is today in his body. And he's still there sitting on the right hand, interceding for us to the Father. That's where Jesus is today. And that's where Mark leaves us. Verse 20, while they, so the disciples, going out, preached everywhere. And this is Mark's summary of everything that happens in the next 30 years or so in the book of Acts. The Lord was working with them. So even though Jesus has gone back to heaven, everything the disciples do is in Jesus' name and power, and it's for the purpose of spreading his kingdom. So God empowers them to do their work. Confirming the word by the signs that accompanied it. Now, this is an interesting verse. It tells us why they're doing signs in the book of Acts, to confirm the word. So the disciples are able to perform these great miracles as verification that Jesus really does have power and that the message of the kingdom is true. So God doesn't want people to just hear the message 
without proof. He actually, in this time period, he gives all these miraculous signs in order to show people that the kingdom of God is a real thing and it has really started. So that's why most scholars would say that these gifts, this big outpouring of gifts was mostly for the first century when the kingdom of God was a new idea to the world and they needed to be introduced to it and convinced that it's a real thing. Um, But certainly it does occur in some places in the world today. So it still has a place. It's just um, slightly different, you could say, what the role of miracles is. Now, this last line, confirming the word by the signs that accompanied it, is actually discussed a lot in the Catechism. The Catechism talks about miracles in this context. What's the purpose of miracles? So we'll now move to that part of the podcast. Where does the Catechism discuss Mark chapter 16, verses 15 to 20, the answer is a whole lot of places. There's about 15 paragraph references. We've discussed a lot of these paragraphs on previous episodes when we've looked at um, this similar passage, Mark chapter 16, verses 15 to 18. Uh, So we hear the first few verses of this on the feast of conversion of St. Paul. But these last two verses, verse 19 and 20, are new. And so we want to look at the catechism references which talk about these last two verses about Jesus' ascension and the disciples preaching and miracles. So paragraph 659 is a discussion about the ascension. It says, So then the Lord Jesus, after he had spoken to them, was taken up into heaven and sat down at the right hand of God. So you'll hear there that's a quote directly from Mark chapter 16. The paragraph goes on. Christ's body was glorified at the moment of his resurrection, as proved by the new and supernatural properties it subsequently and permanently enjoys. But during the 40 days when he eats and drinks familiarly with his disciples and teaches them about the kingdom, his glory glory remains veiled under the appearance of ordinary humanity. Jesus' final apparition ends with the irreversible entry of his humanity into divine glory, symbolized by the cloud and by heaven, where he is seated from that time forward at God's right hand. So that was paragraph 659, which summarizes the church's understanding of the ascension. And then in paragraph, we're going to look at three paragraphs here, which discuss this idea of miracles being conducted by the church. Paragraph two, so the very second paragraph in the entire catechism is talking about what's the purpose of man. That's how the catechism starts. And paragraph two says this, So that this call should resound throughout the whole world, Christ sent forth the apostles he had chosen, commissioning them to proclaim the gospel. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, to the close of the age. Strengthened by this mission, the apostles, quote, went forth and preached everywhere, while the Lord worked with them and confirmed the message by the signs that attended it. So that last quote there is from Mark chapter 16. It's in the second paragraph in the Catechism. Paragraph 156 is in the section about faith and understanding. So, What does God expect of us in terms of understanding the way he works? It says, What moves us to believe is not the fact that revealed truths appear as true and intelligible in the light of our natural reason. We believe because of the authority of God himself who reveals them, 
who can neither deceive nor be deceived. But so that the submission of our faith might nevertheless be in accordance with reason, God willed that the external proofs of his revelation should be joined to the internal helps of the Holy Spirit. Thus the miracles of Christ and the saints, prophecies, the church's growth and holiness, her fruitfulness and her stability, are the most certain signs of divine revelation, adapted to the intelligence of all. They are motives of credibility, which show that the ascent of faith is by no means a blind impulse of the mind. So I really like that paragraph. It tells us, and this is the church's teaching, that although we can come to know the faith through interior help of the Holy Spirit alone, God has willed that we have external proofs so that we can be certain that the faith is true. And that would include things like miracles. And it references Mark chapter 16. So the internal helps and the external helps of God come together to strengthen our faith. Last paragraph, paragraph 670, says, Since the ascension, God's plan has entered into its fulfillment. We are already at the last hour. Already the final age of the world is with us and the renewal of the world is irrevocably underway. It is even now anticipated in a certain real way, for the church on earth is endowed already with a sanctity that is real but imperfect. Christ's kingdom already manifests its presence through the miraculous signs that attend its proclamation by the church. So we'll leave it there for today. Thank you for listening. Please share this around. Thank you, and we'll see you again tomorrow. Thank you.